Welcome to The Productivity Show, the Asian efficiency podcast dedicated to helping you make the most of your time, attention, energy, and focus. In this episode, Brooks and I talk about why energy management, not time management, is the real key to high achievement, and we give you practical tips to increase your energy. We talk about the different types of energy that need to be managed and what you can do to maximize each one. If you've ever felt completely drained knowing you need to work on a task or project but giving in to procrastination anyway because you just can't muster up the energy to take action on it, number one, we've all been there, and number two, this episode is for you. You can find links to everything that we share in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 142. And now, on with the show. So this is the first podcast, Brooks, that we have recorded after I met you in person for the first time a couple weeks ago when we were in Austin for our quarterly planning. That's right. We shared an Airbnb and uh, we saw Austin a little bit and it was definitely, definitely interesting meeting face to face somebody who I've known through Twitter a long time and now through the Asian efficiency as well. So it was great to meet in person. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. We ate a lot of good food, drank a lot of good coffee. You ended up buying a couple things on the trip (laughs) or after the trip, I should say. Yep. You guys introduced me to the cult of Carcassonne and I bought a expensive for me. I've always bought cheap luggage, but I bought a nicer luggage. I'm uh, starting to live Tan's minimal, minimal lifestyle luxury. And uh, so, (laughs) so yeah, it, it was great. Now also introduced to the cult of the breakfast taco after being in Austin as well. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, somebody once told me that Austin runs on breakfast tacos. <laughs> uh, we'll put a link to the bag that you bought uh, in the show notes because I'm sure people are probably pretty curious. And this was actually my fault because I brought mine and it was the first time I traveled with this bag. It's the Away carry-on and it's got a power brick in the top. It's got a lot of other really great features, including a, a compression system that's pretty unique and, and works really well. But the power brick has a couple USB ports on it so that you can charge your phone and your devices without having to plug into the wall. You can charge an iPhone up to five times, they say. And it definitely came in handy. In fact, I posted on Twitter about how I was a travel hero for this family who was walking up and down the terminal looking for an outlet so that the guy could charge his phone. The daughter had 1% left on her iPhone. She was freaking out. So I saved the day for this, this family on the way to Austin. On the way back from Austin, had a little bit of travel trouble. My flight got canceled. And so I ended up having to stay in Austin an extra day. Had to get up at 4 a.m. to catch the the first flight out of the airport, I think, which was not a fun experience and basically ruined me for the entire next day, which leads perfectly into the topic for this episode, which is energy management. So this is a little bit more advanced version of time management. Time management is kind of the entry level in terms of how you're going to get things done. Energy management is the next level. And uh, this is really the tipping point for uh, for being very, very productive. Uh, There's an analogy that Tan used in one of the articles, which we'll link to in the show notes that I used for putting together this outline of a sports car where you can have the sports car, which can go zero to 60 in four seconds, Uh, But without gas, the car is not going to move. So you have all the potential, all the ability to do these things. But without the energy source, you're not going to get anything done. You can master GTD. You can have stellar systems. You can have all the techniques down pat. But if you don't have any energy, you're not going to follow through with any of those plans that you've made. So this is 
more important than time management? I would definitely agree it's more important than time management. And this is actually a great day to be recording this podcast because my wife was up at 3.45 a.m. for a 6 a.m. flight. So uh, I guess I was up in sympathy with her. So I definitely need an energy management episode today. Uh, but I've had days in the past, I don't, I'm not sure if you have, where you know, I have my day planned perfectly well. I've got all my uh, most important tasks ready to go. I've done my morning r- ritual, but then at some point throughout the day, I just have energy issues and it throws the whole thing off. So you can have the best time management planning in the world, but if you don't have the energy to go along with it, it's not going to work. Definitely. I've, I've been there where I've got this three hour block where I'm going to work on this task and I just don't have the energy to follow through and actually do it. It's always kind of frustrating when you're in that situation because most of the time you've got too much to do and not enough time to do in it to do it in. And and that kind of the threat of those deadlines looming usually is enough to inspire people to to take action on things. But that's kind of living in that emergency scan modality that David Allen talks about. It's a lot better if you can be intentional and just say, I'm gonna work on this at this time. And it can be really discouraging when that time comes, you've got everything set up, you're ready to go, and you just don't have the energy to follow through with it. So yeah, you can manage your time well, you can create the space on your calendar, that's great, but that's not the end to itself. Time management actually serves the higher goal of effective energy management. So kind of think of time management as level one, energy management as level two. And there's a quote here from The Power of Full Engagement I'll put the link to this book in the show notes. This is a great book. Have you read this book, Brooks? I've listened to the audiobook and I didn't realize until after I listened to it that it was actually an abridged version. So oh. I actually want to go back and read it again, the full version, because I was thinking, man, this just seems kind of short, but it turns out that's why. <laughs> yeah, th- this is a great book. And there's a lot of really powerful visuals in this book too. I mean, there's actually, I shouldn't say there's a, there's a lot of them, but there's a couple simple concepts that they teach in the book, which we're going to get into in this episode, but having the visual there really solidified it for me. Uh, But the the quote from the book is, energy, not time, is the fundamental currency of high performers. And there's actually, I mentioned there's a a post that we'll link to in the show notes, which uh, is kind of inspired by this book. There's actually a whole series of posts on this topic and the different types of energy that you need to manage, which is taught in the book as the energy pyramid. So let's maybe break down the four different pieces of the energy pyramid. You want to take the first one, Brooks? Yeah. The number one component of the energy pyramid is physical. So this is, this is just stuff relating to your body. So some key components are sleep. Uh, We have a link to a study that says the average American gets 6.7 hours of sleep, but needs seven to nine. Now, different people have different requirements, but I don't think it's I don't think it's unfair to say that to a certain extent, the more sleep you get within that seven to nine range, the better performer you're going to be. Yeah, definitely. And and sleep is something that is very near to my heart, I guess. Uh, I've I think I've shared this on the podcast before, but I have actually been diagnosed with epilepsy. It's genetic. I got it from my grandma. And one of the things that can trigger a seizure is a lack of sleep. So I need to be very careful that I do everything that I can to make sure that I don't have (laughs) these seizures, especially when I'm driving or something like that. Now, I haven't had a seizure actually in about 10 years and it's completely under control. I also take medication for it, though. 
that makes me more drowsy. So I need to really make sure that I am not only getting enough sleep, but I am getting good sleep, which kind of led me to one of Asian Efficiency's first products, which was Better Sleep, uh, where Tan and Aaron just kind of did their own personal study on on sleep, and they cited a lot of different sources. But uh, one of the key concepts that I got from that product is this whole idea of sleep debt, which is why you look at that statistic and you can say the average American gets 6.7 hours of sleep. Well, maybe they only need seven doesn't matter because if you're not getting enough sleep, that adds up over time. And if you haven't been getting enough sleep for weeks, months, years, you can't just sleep in one weekend and expect that to go away. Yeah, I actually went through this uh, when we were in Austin. Just the way my schedule had been up to that point, I had trip after trip after trip booked back to back and wasn't getting a lot of sleep on any of them. And so by the time, you know, I had had that early morning flight to Austin, I was, I was pretty, I think that sleep debt had starting to be accumulated up. And that one night, uh, when Mike, we and I, we were staying in the Airbnb and one of the nights there was some bros outside, right outside our door, having heart to heart talks at 3am being really loud. I just had to stumble outside and, and yell at them and say, guys, can you just do this anywhere else except outside my door? Just because that sleep debt has just accumulated, I needed to get back to sleep. (laughs) And you say you yelled at them, but you yelled at them Uh, in the most polite Canadian way possible. (laughs) I think I even did say, please, I have to admit. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So sleep debt is definitely a very real thing. And uh, what's scary about sleep debt is that most people are just so accustomed to a lack of sleep and just functioning the way that they have been that they don't realize they don't even realize that they're suffering from this. I just started reading the sleep revolution by Ariana Huffington, I believe. And at the beginning of the book, she tells a story about how she was launching a business. uh, I believe it's Huffington post now. So it's a major publication. She was taking her daughter to uh, college visits and she was just burning the candle on, on both ends. And she thought that no big deal. I'll just drink more coffee. <laughs> but uh, at one point uh, when she was in her office in between visits, she just blacked out, hit her face on the desk, woke up. She said in, in her own words, in a pool of blood. And she was just like, what happened? And her body just physically was like no more and just completely shut mm-hmm. down. Yep. And I don't think that that is unique. I think that there's a lot of people who are at danger of that sort of thing because your body is great for is, is great at accommodating uh, different things, but there is a breaking point and you have to recognize that you can't just keep taxing it over and over and over again. This adds up. And so you need to be careful uh, when accumulating the sleep debt. Uh, going back to the whole concept of sleep though and how it actually works, Another key thing that I got from that product was the whole idea of sleep cycles. So a sleep cycle essentially is when you first fall asleep and then you 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 go down between these different levels. I believe there's five different levels. Uh, at the bottom level is the rapid eye movement or REM sleep that is really restorative and regenerative to your body. And so a sleep cycle is where you go from light sleep all the way down to this deep sleep, have this REM cycle, and then come back up to uh, a light sleep. And the, uh, the average person needs five of these sleep cycles to, to get enough rest for their body to be fully recuperated from a, from a good night's sleep. And these sleep cycles are generally about 90 minutes long. 
And so if you, if you take that 90 minutes times five sleep cycles, that's about seven and a half hours of sleep, which is kind of right in the middle of that range. And so obviously that's going to fluctuate a little bit, but if you are able to track those sleep cycles and there are different technologies that allow you to do that, one of the ones that I've used in the past is the sleep cycle app where it'll actually activate your microphone and it will track when you're in your light sleep, when you're in your deep sleep based on, uh, I guess, like how, how you're breathing. Uh, and then what it will do is you set an, a range for when you want to wake up and the app will kind of determine when you're coming up out of your sleep cycle and will try to wake you up when you're in the lightest sleep possible. So if you've ever been like really deep in a deep sleep and then your alarm goes off and you wake up and you're just completely groggy and you have no idea which end is up, you were probably in that REM sleep or close to it. Uh, and sometimes that can kind of just throw off your entire day. That's kind of what happened to me when I was traveling. The alarm went off at four in the morning and I was like, what, where am I? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you wake up at the top of your, your sleep cycle, uh, when you're in that light sleep, it's a lot easier to get going. And so uh, using something like a sleep site, that sleep cycle app or the uh, Philips wake up light is another one that I've used in the past uh, where it will over a period of 30 minutes kind of simulate a sunrise because that sunrise will naturally bring you up out of that deep sleep too. You can kind of hit the ground running uh, if you manage these sleep cycles uh, effectively. Yeah, these apps are fascinating. I, I've never used one. I'm I'm luckily a pretty good sleeper so it's and generally a pretty good waker upper i guess i would say um so i've never really felt the need to have one of these but i've always found the concept fascinating i've been thinking maybe i'll try it out just to see just to see what it's like because it's pretty amazing the way they work it is pretty amazing and there's there's obviously other options available too uh fitbit jawbone a lot of these like wearable technologies have this sort of thing built in and even if you don't have trouble sleeping, it's really interesting. I've gotten into the whole concept of like a quantified self. You know, you want to track uh, how many how many calories you eat. How much sleep is obviously a big big category there. You can track uh, how many cups of coffee you drink. You know, all that kind of stuff that adds up. And so when you can have the record of all of these things, and you can go back and you can look at it. You can say, oh yeah, that's why. I was really high functioning that day, or that's why I was completely drained and I ended up procrastinating on that project and it came back and bit me. Like that could be really valuable information. Uh, and you can, you can do that obviously uh, a bunch of different ways, but I would kind of recommend that, that everybody do this, at least in, in some sense I've written and we've talked about on the podcast, the fact that I have an Apple watch. And that was one of the things that got me to get the Apple watch was the, the fitness tracking. And even though it's not the most powerful fitness tracker, on the market. It does track the number of calories that you've burned. It tells you to stand up once an hour if you're sitting and, and that's easy for me to do, especially when I'm cranking on some videos or things, I'll be sitting in my chair and then all of a sudden three hours have gone by, mm. you know? So those little things, uh, I think that's the best use of technology. You know, there's a lot of negative use of technology, the notifications, the dings that can interrupt your, your focus and your flow. Uh, and we've, we've talked about that in, in other episodes, but there's a lot of good uses for it as well, where it can help facilitate and help support a healthy lifestyle, especially in the area of energy management. Definitely. All right. Another thing that we should talk about just quickly regarding sleep is this whole concept of blue light. Uh, I've, it amazes me how many tech podcasts don't think that this is a real thing. <laughs> uh, because 
I, I've seen it for myself. I've been using Flux for years. Uh, I, again, you know, this is important to me. Uh, I do a lot of work online. I'm, I'm at my computer all day. I want to make sure that when I disconnect and I'm going to bed, that I am able to go to sleep because sleep is very, very important to me. So uh, the, the whole concept behind an app like Flux or more recently in uh, Apple rolled out Night Shift in their iOS, and now I believe it's even on the Mac as well, is that it takes the, the blue tint out of your screens as the sun goes down because that blue light, that actually gets your body to not produce the melatonin, the, the, the chemical that actually helps you fall asleep. If you were to just go outside, not expose yourself to any artificial light, your body would naturally prepare itself for sleep as soon as the sun went down. But uh, in today's society, uh, where everything is, is lit up all the time, especially when we're staring at our phones until 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night, uh, what will happen is that we'll be using these devices right up until it's time to go to bed. And then that blue light has convinced our body that it's not really as late as it is. And then we try to go to bed and we can't fall asleep. So this is something that we definitely need to be aware of. Yeah, I think Night Shift, particularly on iOS, and I think on Android, I think you need a third-party app to do it. I think there's a few. There's actually one called Night Shift, and there's one called Twilight, and I'm sure there's some other good ones. Uh, But it's built into iOS, and I think this is one of the biggest improvements that Apple has made in iOS in a long time. And it's kind of an under-the-radar feature, but... Even just to reduce the strain on your eyes when when you're using your device at night, it's it's night and literally night and day. (laughs) I wasn't even going for that one. Uh, The difference between using it, uh, night shift is just huge, and flux on again on the Mac is is a big one as well. Even ignoring the sleep benefits, which are huge, which you know we're talking about, just reducing the strain on the eyes is really really helpful. Yeah, definitely. And if you want to know more about the science behind the blue light, I believe the website is justgetflux.com. They have a ton of research on their site. This is something that they've been pretty passionate about for a long time. So it's kind of disappointing to see, in my opinion, them get Sherlocked by something like Night Shift. Mm-hmm. But uh, they were never really going to get access on the on iOS devices anyways. In fact, at one point, there was a beta version of Flux where you could kind of install via Xcode, but that quickly got got shut down. And then I think it was like a month or two later, Night Shift was released. Uh, And I think it's great that Night Shift exists because it's built into the operating system and it helps people who normally wouldn't even consider uh, turning this down. Like they're getting the benefits of this sort of thing. But in my opinion, Flux does a much better job and it's more effective. Uh, Flux will make your screen very, very orange if you are using your computer late at night. (laughs) Um, And some people just absolutely hate that. Whereas Apple's Night Shift isn't going to Take uh, it's not going to make your your colors look that that extreme, uh, but it's also not going to be as effective in my opinion either. Yeah. All right. So the second one here under the physical energy uh, is exercise. Uh, this is something that we all know we need to do, but this is also something that often gets put to the uh, the back burner. Uh, going back to the Eisenhower matrix, I just did a presentation yesterday on deep work, and we talked about how most people tend to live their lives on the left side of that matrix where you have the things that are important and urgent, but also a lot of things that are not important, but other people say are urgent, things like email, where uh, one study said that the average U.S. worker spends 6.3 hours a day in email. 
So that's a lot of time doing things that really aren't that important most of the time if we're honest with ourselves. But when we look at it, it does appear to be urgent. There's a fire that needs to be put out there. So the things that get neglected often are the things that are not urgent but are important. Things like family time, weekly planning, and exercise definitely falls in here because you can go to the gym once and you don't feel any immense immediate benefits. But if you do it over and over and over again, then that compound effect kicks in and you start to see the results. And it usually doesn't take nearly as long as you you think it does. So some of the benefits of exercise in terms of energy management, number one, it's going to increase your energy. So you'll actually have more energy if you exercise regularly. And it doesn't matter. You don't have to do strength training, interval training. You don't have to run a marathon. You just have to be active uh, every single day, I would say. Uh, And then it's also going to decrease the amount of sleep that you actually need, which maybe seems a little bit counterintuitive, but I think the third one here is kind of related to that. And that's because it increases the quality of your sleep. If you are active during the day, if you are burning more calories, it's easier for you to fall asleep. It's easier, easier for you to get into those sleep cycles. And so if you can just enter into that quicker, then you're not going to need as much sleep. It's also going to boost your immune system and decrease fatigue. But Regardless, like I said, all these different benefits, it's not any one type of exercise that's going to trigger these. The real key here is just to be consistent, whatever you're going to do, whether you're going to run a couple miles every morning or you're just going to go for a walk in the afternoon, just make sure that you're regular with this. Yeah. And you raise an important point that it doesn't, a lot of times people think exercising means you have to go to the gym. You have to have a gym membership. And some people just, you know, aren't comfortable with that, or they think it means you have to do this high intensity training or whatever, but going for a walk is just, I mean, I I don't know if I'd say it's just as good, but it's infinitely better than doing nothing. And usually I find when I am having energy issues and I start looking into why that is. It's because maybe, like you said, exercise has gotten put to the back burner and I haven't been as consistent as I should have been with it. And that usually is what sends me down the path to low energy. Now, I know that you are a big walker because when we were in (laughs) Austin, occasionally you'd be like, I'm just going to go for a walk. Yeah. I'm curious, do you have any tips for people on how they can implement this? Because like, specifically when we were in Austin, we're downtown. You maybe don't know the area. Like what are, what are some things that you do to make sure that you're able to stick with this routine that you've developed on the road? Yeah. Well, I do tend to always go for, especially even if I were on vacation or something like that. So I was just in Mexico for two weeks and every morning I went for a walk and I just happen to like walking. But even if you are not a walking fan, I I find combining it with something else is really helpful. So for example, I like walking, listening to podcasts or listening to audiobooks. So especially now that I work from home and don't have a commute uh, to work, my commute is going down two floors. Uh, I find walking is when I do a lot of my podcast listening and that sort of thing. So if you can combine it with something else, that's really helpful. Also, if you're going to another city, it's just interesting to see the different, the different things around the area where you're staying. So I just like to kind of explore the neighborhood, see what's going on uh, and that sort of thing. I tend to walk in the mornings usually, uh, but whatever time works, works for you. Nice. Uh, I'm glad that you, you brought up the idea of, of 
doing other things while you're walking, because in general, multitasking is a very bad idea. (laughs) But I would say that this is one of those areas where, yeah, if you wanted to listen to an audio book or a podcast, this is the perfect time to do it. Uh, Another way that you could do this, though, because I I tend to listen to podcasts and audio books whenever I am traveling in, in Wisconsin, things are kind of spread out, but there's not a ton of traffic. So I end up driving uh, quite a bit and I'm usually listening to podcasts in the car, that sort of thing. So the tendency for me is to, if I'm going to go for a walk, I would put in my headphones and I would listen to a podcast or an audiobook. But one of the things that I started doing last year, based off of an idea I got from the book Deep Work by Kel Newport, is this whole idea of productive meditation. And uh, same concept where I would be doing uh, some work and I'd be working on a problem, building a video, whatever. And I would encounter a point where I would, I was somewhat stuck. Like I could overcome this thing, but really what I, what would be the best thing here is that I I just give this some space. And so at that point, that was my trigger that I'm going to take my dog for a walk. And instead of listening to a podcast or an audio book, what I would do is I would just think about the problem or where I was stuck or what I was working on. Because I wasn't physically at my computer, I couldn't actually do anything about it, but just creating the time. If I'm going to go for the for the for a walk and it's going to take me 15, 20 minutes, uh, then that's 15 to 20 minutes where all I can do is think about this problem and just giving myself the space to think about the problem often resulted in more creative and better solutions. Yeah, I read the same thing in Deep Work and I thought, yeah, I should do that too, but I haven't actually do it. I still still listen to my podcast, but it, it is a <laughs> it, it, it went. I will admit if I am ever walking without uh, my headphones, that stuff does actually happen. So it is not a bad idea. No, and I bring it up not as a suggestion that, hey, when you walk, you shouldn't listen to anything, but just as something that you could deploy tactically. Yep. You know, if you are really stuck on something, then you need some space. Uh, You can get the emotional and mental recharge that you're looking for by going out for a walk. Uh, but also that can have some additional benefits in helping you see the the problem from a different angle. Yep, definitely. All right. So third one here under physical is nutrition. Uh, this is the last one. And maybe we don't need to spend a ton of time on this one because I don't feel comfortable giving people advice on what they should or shouldn't eat. <laughs> no. But I will just say, uh, be careful about what you put into your body. Uh, principle is garbage in, garbage out. You know, you are what you eat. So if you're going to eat foods that are going to give you a lot of energy and you're going to eat healthy, you're going to eat clean, uh, that is going to be evident. But if you're going to eat fast food and a lot of heavy food, you're obviously not going to have as much energy. So don't wonder why you don't have much energy if you had a half hamburger fries and a milkshake for lunch. <laughs> it's, it's pretty natural. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I'm noticing this podcast is basically uh, me being the cautionary tale of all the things you shouldn't do. And this is another good example, uh, just to share a, a quick story. Like I try to eat eat healthy in general, but a while ago I, I had a perfect storm where I had a really busy day, but I also had an appointment downtown. So I was trying to maximize my time. So I thought, okay, well, when I'm driving home from downtown, which was around lunchtime, I'll, I'll hit the drive-through eat lunch in the car as I'm driving home. And then once I get home, I can just get right to work. I don't have to waste time, uh, you know, organizing lunch. And so I did that. And 
the time savings was great, but the problem is the afternoon, my energy took a nosedive. And so I actually would have been better off spending the tiny bit of time, uh, you know, just eating lunch once I got home and eating something more clean. And then I would have had the energy to keep going through the afternoon. So, yeah, this is actually, I'm glad you brought this up because this is a perfect example of where time management and energy management can intersect because one of the things that I have started doing is I have started planning out my entire week. My, my wife and I, we've I've mentioned this before in the podcast, we have a, a family meeting every Sunday night where we compare our calendars and we look at the entire week. And when you know what your schedule is going to be, then you can prepare ahead of time. And for example, I've got a lunch that is packed in a, uh, a lunchbox that's got a pocket so you can put in the ice pack so it'll stay, it'll, it'll keep everything cool. And uh, by planning ahead, I am able to control not only the quality of the food, like you mentioned, of, of what I'm putting in my body. Added benefit means I don't eat out as much because it's not, oh, it's lunchtime. I got to find something to eat. So save a lot of money that way as well. Definitely. All right. So uh, that's the first area of the energy pyramid, physical, which, as we talked about, included sleep, exercise, and nutrition. Now let's talk about the second one, which is emotional. And this is the one that is really fascinating to me from this book, The Power of Full Engagement, because they talk about the difference between positive and negative emotions. Now there's a link which I've put in the the show notes here, which is this energy quadrant from the book. But the quadrant is essentially at the top, you've got high energy and at the bottom, you've got low energy. And then on the right, you've got positive energy. And on the left, you've got negative energy. And I noticed myself and Brooks, you can maybe talk about your own experience, but naturally for me, I am a fairly emotional person. And if I'm not, if I'm, if if I'm not careful about how I am managing my emotions, what will end up happening is that my energy will be high but I'll be bouncing back and forth between positive and negative. That's kind mm. of the, the default for me. And what this book is saying is that what you want to do is you want to shift that to instead of bouncing back between positive and negative, because that's not really helping you. Plus, you're always high energy. Uh, you're not really giving your, your body a chance to recover. You want to stay positive, but shift between high energy and low energy, what terms they use for high high energy High positive energy is uh, fully engaged and low positive energy they call strategically disengaged, which means that you don't have to be going 100 miles an hour for everything that you are involved in or everything that you're dealing with, but you, you want to pick and choose the things that you are going to devote your, your entire mental capacity towards. You've got limited amount of willpower, you got a limited amount of energy, and so you want to concentrate that towards the things that are most important and then be fully engaged there. The things that aren't so important, you want to lower your energy and be strategically disengaged. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting way to approach it. And it's definitely true that emotions can really impact energy and what you're able to get done. I'm kind of the opposite. I am not an emotional person. In fact, uh, I've been called a robot before, but uh, <laughs> but um, but I have found, and I definitely hear this from talking to people as well, is especially when people are going through challenges, you know, maybe family situations or whatever. It just it just gnaws at you, and you just don't have, you know, you know all the things you need to do, but 
these negative emotions have have built up inside you and you just end up you know lying on the sofa because you just can't you just can't get the the energy to actually take action and do things so focusing on like you said what you're allowing your emotions to to basically attach onto can have a real real benefit for energy management yeah. And the reason that you have to shift between the high energy and the low energy in an ideal scenario is that your, your personality aside uh, is, is that life is not a sprint. We're going to talk about this more than a little bit, but essentially what you are doing is you are engaging in a series of sprints. So this is kind of scrum for your brain, if you want to <laughs> think of it that way, I guess where uh, you're focusing all your energy, everything that you have, all of your resources on something that is really important for a short period of time, and then you're taking a step back so that you can recharge, and then you can charge again. And uh, I guess my big takeaway when I read this book was that uh, I wasn't paying attention to those cycles. Mm -hmm. I was hitting the ground running, and I tried to keep my energy up the entire day. I found that that is pretty much impossible and leads to, at the end of the day, you just feeling completely drained and exhausted. So a much better way to do this is to recognize as you go about your day, this is something that's really important. I should devote more of my resources towards this thing. This thing isn't that important. We're going to conserve some of that energy for later in the day when I do have that thing that's super important. Uh, and all of this stuff is related, obviously. I mean, a lot of people, they try to overcome that lack of uh, of energy that they have to just go hundred miles an hour all day long. They try to supplement that with caffeine right, uh, or, or coffee or whatever, like insert your own drug of choice. <laughs> mm. Um, but, uh, and, and I, I drink coffee, but I don't drink it specifically for the caffeine. I, I am a bit of a coffee snob, as I've mentioned in the, in the past <laughs> where, uh, I, I kind of exclusively drink the pour over coffee. So like Starbucks, I, I try to stay away from, <laughs> But yeah, it's it's not a, it's not a thing where like I absolutely need this caffeine. And in fact, uh, every year in January for the first 21 days of the year, I, I show my body that uh, I'm not addicted and I actually go on a caffeine fast Nice. <laughs> and I just don't don't drink coffee. But yeah, so I, I bring that up just because I think that that is something that the typical person maybe is using to cope with a lack of energy to achieve mm -hmm. this ideal, which maybe isn't something that they should be pursuing anyway. So just to get people uh, recognizing, you know, maybe you're trying to you're trying to overcome this through artificial means, uh, and really, that's not the ideal way to do this. Yeah, and there's other ways to do this, uh, and allowing yourself to kind of give your brain a break and strategically unengage. So, going back to what we were talking about about uh, physical and walking, uh, I happen to live right beside a forest, and sometimes in the afternoon when it's not the 11 months a year that it's raining in Vancouver, uh, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes if I, my energy's flagging, what I'll do is I'll just go for a, a quick walk through the forest, get away from my computer, just, just get, get into nature for a little bit. And then I come back and it's like, I've, I've had, you know, caffeine or something like that, uh, even better because it's, you don't have the down effects, but, uh, just giving that quick break really, really helps. Yeah, definitely. And that's something that Cal Newport calls out in that book as well is get into nature because there's something about it that just mm -hmm. recharges your batteries. Yep. Um, this kind of leads us into the the third area of energy here. So let's maybe let's talk about this one now, which is mental. And really the idea here is kind of like we were talking about with the, the walking example and getting away from your computer is give your brain a break. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that, like I said, and I now that now that we've talked about it, maybe it would be even more uh, more impactful if I actually literally gave my brain a break and, and wasn't listening to podcasts and audiobooks, but actually just <laughs> just uh, watching uh, the coyotes and seeing uh, watching them and making sure they're not going to eat me as I'm walking through this particular forest. But uh, yeah, it, it's underestimated how impactful that can be to just step away from things it can just be a really short period of time yep and uh, i would interject here this isn't in the show notes but watching tv is not giving your brain a mental break (laughs) yeah Uh, a lot of people will do that i read somewhere uh, that the average american watches 35 hours of of tv a week so i don't know about you canadians maybe you're (laughs) you're better than we are when it comes to (laughs) how much time you waste but that's almost a full-time job. And the, the root cause of that is poor energy management because you go to work. Uh, usually you've got, you, you wake up when the alarm goes off. You're, you haven't gotten enough sleep the night before. You're not waking up at the top of your sleep cycle. You're drinking a ton of caffeine just to make it through the day. You're working a very demanding job. Sometimes you come home, you're completely exhausted. You sit down, you veg out in front of the TV. And you think that because you're not physically going anymore, that that's restorative, but it's really not. All of the visual stimuli, all of the blue light, all that's doing is compounding the problem because you're going to have trouble falling asleep. You're going to be stressed. You're going to be worried about having to do the same thing again tomorrow. And so being able to just disconnect is a, is a great uh, a great thing. Uh, a big, a big uh, way that you could do this to, to provide a lot of benefit is meditation, which is something that I've kind of dabbled with in the past. I'm not very good at it, (laughs) but that's the thing about meditation is you don't have to be very good at it. You don't have to sit there cross-legged on the floor for an hour at a time. Uh, You can just go through the motions of meditation and and a lot of these guided meditations will tell you exactly what to do. When you notice your brain wandering, you try to bring it back. It doesn't matter if that happens every 10 minutes or every 10 seconds though. Just the fact that you are trying to meditate has a lot of benefit. You mean you don't levitate off the floor a, f- a few feet when you're meditating? You're definitely doing it wrong. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've not experienced that, so no. <laughs> no, you're right. I, I also am, a, I would say, a, a poor meditator, but uh, I don't worry about that. I just, you know, you do what you can do. That's all That's all I can say. Right. And so the the same concept applies here from the when managing your mental energy as it, as it did when you are managing your emotional energy is you want to go back and forth between fully engaged and strategically unengaged. You can't just constantly be trying to solve very difficult problems, but there's a lot of research that shows that the very act of doing that uh, actually makes your brain bigger, faster, stronger. Uh, again, a great resource for this is Deep Work by Cal Newport. He's a university researcher. He's a lot smarter than I am. And uh, he, he knows all of this stuff and presents it in a very approachable way. But uh, yeah, you do need to make sure that you uh, focus, focus in his words, you know, you, you, you do your deep work and then you disconnect for a while and you give yourself a chance to, uh, to recover. The fourth one here is spiritual. So we've got the four different areas on the energy pyramid, physical, which is the bottom part of this. Uh, And then we've got emotional and then mental and then spiritual. So spiritual does not necessarily mean that you have a certain spiritual belief system. This is really the why behind all everything that you do. So if physical is the bottom of the pyramid, uh, in terms of the motivation and the reason why you're doing things, 
you're working down in this pyramid. So your spiritual is going to drive uh, what you believe, how you manage your mental energy, how you feel about what you believe, your emotional energy, and then what you do with what you believe, your physical energy. Yep. Just as an example, how it doesn't necessarily have to be anything, any particular belief or anything like that. Uh, I'm currently doing this really large project here at Asian Efficiency, and it's it's pretty busy. Uh, and yesterday I, I worked quite a bit at it and, you know, my energy was starting to flag a little bit, but it just so happens I really believe in the importance of this particular project that I'm working on. And just thinking about, oh, yeah, that, you know, this is this is why I, I really think it's important. It just helped me help me push through. Uh, so it, it's just going back to that why is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And so this kind of comes back to the whole idea of core values and purpose. But really, why are you here? Like, what are you, what is your mission? What is your life goal? What is the value that you are trying to bring to the world? What is your life going to be about? And there's episodes on core values. So if you wanted to dive deep into that topic and how do you establish core values, things like that, that's not really the purpose of of this specific episode. Uh, but really just understanding in the terms of energy management that those are going to drive everything that you do. So at Asian Efficiency, for example, we've got the core values and probably the two strongest ones that uh, get invoked the most, like every single day, everything that we do is the first one, glow green, become the best version of ourselves. And then number two, uh, pull others up. We'll talk about this in a little bit, but you can only take people to where you've gone And so you need to make sure that you have enough energy so that you can help other people. Classic airline example, they tell you, put your own oxygen mask on first before assisting others. You know, if you're passed out, you're not going to do your kid any good uh, when there's a drop in cabin pressure. Yep, definitely. All right. So uh, the four areas, just to recap, we've got physical, we've got emotional, mental, and spiritual. Uh, We've talked a little bit about this, but it's worth pointing out here that you need to make sure that you give yourself the time and the space to recover in all of these areas. So you can't just constantly push yourself physically. You will burn out. Now, you want to push yourself to the point where you do need to stop, but then you want to stop and give yourself a chance to to recover. Uh, Same with emotionally and mentally. You want to make sure that you are fully engaged, and then you are strategically disengaged. Uh, if you don't give yourself time to recover, you don't give your, your body time to, to heal, then your gains are going to be minimized and eventually you're going to burn out. Yeah, I thought uh, going back to the example we talked about at the top of the show when you had that that travel uh, dis- disruption a, a couple of weeks or last week or the week before, and you know it was just you're in that sleep debt situation. I thought it was smart that you recognize this and you just said, Hey, I'm going to just going to need this little bit of extra time to recover. And you recognize that and you took action at it. You just didn't keep driving yourself further and further into the ground. So I thought that was really, really uh, smart of you. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. And not everybody uh, probably has the luxury of an employer who recognizes the importance of that, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what I did is I had already planned to take Good Friday off the. I think that was the week after, um, as we re, as we record this, that was the week after we were uh, we were traveling, and so uh, the week before I had uh, not had great travel and had to work and, and finish some things before the the end of the sprint. 
And so the next week I could just kind of tell, I could see the writing on the wall. You know, <laughs> if I really push through for those four days before good Friday, then uh, I'm probably going to get sick because, uh, you know, I know my body well enough and I know my natural tendency is to just push through those things. Yep. Uh, but I said, you know, I, I need a little bit more of a cushion here. Uh, I'm going to take a personal recovery day on Thursday if that's okay. Everybody's like, yep, that sounds awesome. Go ahead. And so, uh, yeah, very, very important that you give yourself the, the time to do that whenever you can. All right. So let's talk about six tips for increasing energy. Now, some of these we've kind of covered a little bit already. Uh, but this is kind of a summary of the six main takeaways. If you were going to focus on what can I do right now to increase my energy, these are the six things that would provide the biggest bang for your buck, so to speak, return on investment. Uh, number one is get enough sleep. And I put this one here, so I don't know if you agree with this, Brooks, but <laughs> like I said, sleep is yeah. very important to me. <laughs> uh, you cannot get things done when you're tired. Yeah, definitely. And it you know, we talked about the Asian efficiency core value of glowing green. And one of the ways you can do that is make sure you're getting enough sleep for your body and your situation. Yep, absolutely. And then the second one here is eat clean. So again, we're not going to tell you exactly what you should be eating. There's a lot of other people who have very conflicting opinions about that. It seems like every week I hear about a new diet that's guaranteed to produce results. But uh, essentially what you want to do is you want to eat foods that are going to bring you energy. Yeah. And this is also controversial, but a lot of people take certain supplements to help with energy as well. I'm not personally a big supplement guy, uh, but, uh, you know, just living in such a, a gray place, I do take vitamin D and I feel like that's helped. I don't know if it does, but it, I feel like it does. And sometimes that's the most important. We did a really early show. This was back when I was a productivity show listener before I kind of talked my way onto the podcast. Uh, TPS episode six was a big issue or a big episode on supplements that I found really interesting at the time. I think that might've been the episode before you were on. That's right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was a very long time ago. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of the principles, that's a very evergreen episode. Definitely. A lot of the principles that are in that episode uh, still apply. So yeah, if you're yep. interested in how you can use supplements to, uh, I guess, supplement your energy, then definitely yep. check out that episode. Third tip for increasing energy, take breaks. Uh, and I would say take breaks strategically. So mm -hmm. it's important to take the breaks, but just making sure that it's on your calendar necessarily doesn't really work for me uh, because I can say, well, I'm going to take a break between 9.30 and 10. And sometimes like that's what'll happen is that's the only time I've got. I'll make sure that I do take a break during those time periods. But it's more effective if you can just like your sleep cycles, you can't control necessarily when and how these happen. If you can uh, manage your your energy flow during your workday and get to a point where, okay, yeah, this is a natural place to take a break, it's going to be more effective. Basic principle though, again, life is not a marathon. It is a series of sprints. So you want to sprint and then recover and then sprint and then recover over and over and over again. You'll get much further that way. Yep. And the number four tip is to establish rituals. We talk about rituals a lot of Asian efficiency. And I can say for myself, one of the biggest things I've done with my productivity is establishing a morning ritual. So having the set things I do every single morning really, really helps in 
getting me started in the day and it helps with my energy as well because a lot of those things include things like exercise and eating right and and water and stuff like that and so that can be a really big benefit and evening ritual can help you get stuff out of your head and allow you to sleep better as well yeah, absolutely. And uh, there's a lot to unpack in the topic of rituals. So yeah. if you are interested in, in more information on those, there's other episodes on this. But essentially what a ritual is, is number one, it provides, especially like a morning ritual, it provides a way to make sure that you are devoting time and energy towards the things that you know you need to do that are going to provide a big return on your investment, but can sometimes get neglected, uh, the things that are important, but are not urgent. So if you build those into your morning routine, if you build into your morning routine, the, the, uh, you know, reading and, and meditation and exercise, what you'll find is that you can check a whole bunch of those personal development boxes in a short period of time. It really doesn't take that long for a morning ritual to be really, really effective. And all you have to do is do those things over and over and over again, and they produce the results automatically. The morning ritual also kind of functions as your body's efficiency mechanism. So if you have this ritual, the same thing that you do day in, day out, your body can kind of anticipate that stuff and it, it will conserve energy naturally for these things because it gets easier and easier for it to do it the, the more that you crease this into your, your brain and the more consistently you do it. So rituals, very, very important. Number five, know your why. Okay, and this comes back to the, the spiritual area of, of energy, uh, core values, things like that. And we talk about this in uh, TPS 139 and a lot of other different episodes. But really, you need to understand your purpose, what it is that you want to accomplish. Uh, and this is not necessarily following your passion. You know, I've, <laughs> I've been on the topic of deep work lately, and uh, one of the stories from that book is about Steve Martin. And he says that skills trump passion. He says following your passion is bad advice. And he says that he uh, that people ask him all the time, like, what's your advice on how to get an agent? You know, what's what's the one thing that I should do? And he says that uh, people never listen to him because he always says, "Get so good they can't ignore you." Uh, so essentially, what you want to do is you want to find the things that you are good at, the things that really bring you life, the things that you would naturally do even if you weren't getting paid for it. Uh, not necessarily the things that are fun, uh, but the things that you, it, it hurts you to get, it, it hurts to have the idea that this thing is not going to get done. You feel like you just have to follow through on this thing. Uh, that's really the the why and the purpose uh, behind uh, behind everything that you do. And there's some different questions that you can use to identify this. Uh, so for example, if you could do anything with your life without limitation or constraint or consequence, what would it be? What has been the recurring motif or theme of your life up to this point? What unique value do you feel you can contribute to the world and humanity as a whole? And these are just a couple of examples. I mean, there's a lot of different resources for finding your why. Uh, episode 139 that I mentioned, Tan and I go through the whole wheel of life exercise and, and the, creating the vision for your ideal future. So uh, and there's a downloadable resource with that as well. So if you wanted to go through that exercise, definitely check out that episode. Sixth one here is give to others. And this one is kind of interesting. Uh, I, I pulled this from the book and I'm interested to get your take on this, uh, Brooks. But essentially the idea here is that 
we have a higher quality of life when we think about other people besides ourselves. Arthur Ashe said, from what we get in life, we make a living. From what we give, we make a life. And in the book, they talk about how self-absorption ultimately drains your energy and impedes performance. And I can tell you that my own experience, I've, I've noticed this to be true. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I hadn't thought of it until I read that as well. And I was like, oh, that's just such an interesting take. And, you know, when we say give to others, we, it doesn't necessarily mean giving money. It could be giving time or it doesn't even have to be a lot of time. It could even be just, you know, answering somebody's question. Sometimes if I sometimes if I am, you know, working on something and I I just need a little mental break or I need a, you know, energy hit aside from going for a walk, sometimes what I'll do is I'll just flip into the the dojo slack team or i'll go onto the dojo forum and just answer a few questions and even just that little bit of helping somebody out just gives me more energy just from that yeah absolutely and this is again in line with the asian efficiency core values and one of the things that i really like about working with asian efficiency number one we mentioned our first core value is glow green but number two pull others up Uh, it's all about helping other people make the most of their time their attention their energy and their focus. Uh, And on the topic of focus, I mean, that's a big area that can be impacted by a lack of energy. We've actually been hard at work on a product, which we're going to announce fairly shortly. I don't think we're ready to make an official announcement yet, but we're working on something which is going to walk you through not only how to focus, but also giving you the, the tactics, the small things that we know work, and then also the support so that you can have your day planned out, uh, you can have your energy managed, but then something happens, there's a fire that pops up, how do you adapt and overcome that particular situation? Because sometimes you can't control that stuff. But you can control how you how you manage your energy. And so the, the six tips real quickly, again, here, number one, get enough sleep. Number two, eat clean. Number three, take breaks. Number four, establish rituals. Number five, know your why. Number six, give to others. If you were to encapsulate all of this in one or two takeaways, what would you say, Brooks? Oh, I think <laughs> I think it's just look into how you sleep, look into what you're eating, and look at your rituals. Those would be three things that I would say can really, really help with your energy. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I would add to that, Choose to be either fully engaged or strategically disengaged. Don't Mm. just throw everything that you've got at every single problem that comes at you. Recognize that some of these are more important than others, and then doing that will naturally help you focus and do more effective work and do more deep work, which is something that uh, seems like a lot of our audience wants to do, but sometimes their environment just isn't very conducive to that. So uh, energy management can definitely help you with that. And if you want some additional ideas and tips on how to manage your energy, this is a pretty popular topic in the dojo, which is our online productivity community. The dojo is the place to connect with like-minded achievers and share the latest productivity tips and techniques while encouraging and holding each other accountable to reaching our goals. The dojo is currently closed to the public, but if you go to the productivityshow.com slash dojo, you can not only get access to the community, but also the private video training library with new video modules released every month and a private Slack team where you get direct access to me, Brooks, and the rest of the Asian Efficiency team. 
Best part is that you get all of this for just $1 for your first month. And then after that, it's just $29 a month and you can cancel at any time. With membership to the Dojo, you also get exclusive software discounts on some of our favorite productivity apps like BusyCal, Hazel, and now even Text Expander. So if you want to join a community that can help you achieve your goals, check out the Dojo today by going to theproductivityshow.com/dojo. And again, that URL is theproductivityshow.com/dojo. And you can find links to everything that Brooks and I discussed today in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com/142. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next productive Monday. <laughs>